Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ninth annual CR Arthritis event. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Michelle Batish, who's an associate professor of pediatric rheumatology at the University of McMaster. Her research work focuses on the transition from pediatric to adult care, and she'll be leading a talk on the topic at the Canadian Arthritis Research Conference. So welcome, uh, Michelle. Thank you for having me. So great to have you, and I can't wait to get into this topic a little bit more. Before we start, you, can you tell us about yourself and how you're involved in rheumatology or maybe how you got here? Sure, thank you. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a pediatric rheumatologist at McMaster Children's Hospital, which is affiliated with McMaster University. I've been there for 10 years. And um, as I you know, have worked there, I've realized how important things like transition are when I'm seeing my patients and once they turn 18, I can't follow them anymore. And so we do have to transfer their care to our adult rheumatology colleagues. And so there are quite a number of issues that these patients face. And so I really started getting into it by learning a lot more about it, running a special transition clinic at our hospital, and then doing quite a bit of research more recently. It's so wonderful. And um, can you tell us about what is transition to adult care and perhaps why it's important to, to have that um, kind of built into our care system? Great question. You know, previously, um, as I mentioned, when patients turn 18, especially those who have a chronic illness and they will need ongoing care into adulthood, um, in the past it would just be this administrative transfer. I would see them one last time uh, once they're 18, and then I transfer their file over to an adult provider um, and hope for the best. Um, and we've you know, really learned that this is a very challenging time for patients, not only because they're adolescents, they're going through so many changes, they're graduating high school, they're thinking about what vocational plans, are they going to go to university, are they starting a job? Relationships also become a huge matter. They're also becoming more independent from their parents. They may be moving out into their own place. Um, and on top of that, now you have patients who have chronic illnesses, and they're going to have to learn to take care of their own health by themselves. And then they get transferred to this adult clinic, which is very different than the pediatric system. Many more patients in the waiting room, very short appointments, and likely fewer resources. And so it is a lot to adjust to. And so there is quite a bit that these uh, patients and youth need to learn, um, you know, a lot of skills about how to manage their own health, how to advocate for themselves um, in these new kind of busy, scary clinics that could be, you know, quite challenging for them to do on their own. You know, it really does kind of spark something in me when I think of this age group, right? Because that's kind of when I got my diagnosis. And I just think, like you said, it, it's just, there's just one more thing added on top. And I think it's just like, so important that we, yes, you're able to transfer files over. You can't transfer a relationship that you built with these individuals. Right. It takes so much time to have that trust. And um, yeah, I can see how, you know, it would be so valuable to have a little bit more of like a gradual, gradual transition. Yeah, and, and that's what we've established and we've, uh, we're very fortunate. And there are many clinics like this across the country whereby um, the adult provider will come to our clinic at regular intervals and get to know these patients 
over a period of years. And so, you know, as I said, transfer, yes, that's at 18, but transition is a process and it really starts as young as 14. We really start educating these patients on becoming more independent. So one first basic step could be coming into the clinic room by yourself or just being able to ask your questions and answer our questions without mom and dad answering them for you. So it takes baby steps and that's why it is a process and it takes quite a number of years so that when it is time and when they are 18 and it's time to say goodbye and off you go to the adult world, they feel ready, they're empowered, they know what to do, they know what to ask um, so that we can ensure the most successful transition possible. It's wonderful. And if you don't mind, I know we've touched on this, but um, common challenges that you see that not only the patients face, but I think their families face as well. Yeah, so, you know, we're not only transitioning the patients, we're transitioning the parents. And so we often forget how hard it is for the parents to also let go. Um, and so we really need to help and provide care and resources to the parents so that they also start letting go. So that when we are in clinic, they're not just blurting out the answers without giving a chance to their child to answer a question. Um, and we also want to give families resources to help their children become more independent, to learn more about their illness, to advocate for themselves and so on. So uh, we definitely need to approach this in a very family-centered way, help the youth become more independent, advocate for themselves, and also help the parents, A, uh, let go, and B, support their youth while they're going through this transition. Yeah, because I think there's a perfect amount of support, right? Not too much, but also not too withdrawn. Yeah. So finding that balance for each family is truly an art. <laughs> yeah. An art at that point. And it's very hard because we've also learned, and you know, speaking to the parents, it's hard for them to let go. That first visit when they come to clinic and we ask the parents, "Can you please sit in the waiting room while we do our appointment?" You can see the look of distress and shock and fear, and you know, are. I'm not sure they're going to know what to answer. My child doesn't know what's going on and they don't know their medications and so on. So it, that's why we definitely have to approach it at both the parent side and, and the youth side. So well said. I, you know, do you have any, um, any tips, tricks, or anything to consider if you are a care provider um, and then you don't have this model of care kind of built into your system that you're yeah. working on that you would kind of share? Sure. So there, you know, there are a lot of tools available, um, and I think one really key factor is to, at the very least, um, measure some form of transition readiness in the patient. Um, and there are lots of tools. The one we use is a transition queue. It's a really simple questionnaire. It's on an app, even that that the patient can um, answer in the waiting room while waiting to be seen. Um, and their questions just really based on, you know, how ready are you to transition? And so some of the questions include, you know, I can answer the doctor or nurse's questions by myself. Um, I know the name of my medications. I can come to my appointment by myself or at least organize a way to get to an appointment. Um, so we measure these routinely in our clinic and over years we've been able to collect data on transition readiness. And so to no surprise, we do expect that these scores should improve over time. Um, but we've noticed quite a variability of transition readiness, even within patients of the same age. So sometimes a 15-year-old could be just as ready as a 17-year-old. And we may have a 17-year-old who's really not ready, and their scores are just like a 14-year-old's. And so it really helps us 
focus our interventions to each in, uh, each patient individually so that we can really target what we need to work on with each patient to ensure their own success in transition. I love this tailored approach where you're able to tailor based on this concept of readiness and, and you know, we'll see in, in the literature right now, there's a lot of models on this concept of readiness. That's wonderful because you're not only, I think traditionally we tailored to like, what are their symptoms? Yeah. Now it's this, this behavioral concept coming in and yeah. Yeah, it really focuses on their knowledge and skills um, to manage their own healthcare. Um, and as I said, it really helps us tailor um, how we uh, approach patients. In addition to the scores themselves, what we do is something called goal setting. And so we'll have a healthcare provider meet with the patient after they've completed this and based on the responses where maybe they're not doing very well or they don't know how to do, they'll set goals. And so they'll say, you know what, for the next appointment, why don't we work on task number one? So your goal will be, let's say, I want to be able to ask questions by myself. And so they'll review some strategies with the healthcare provider so that by the next appointment, they can test out their new skills and, and we can see if they've been able to achieve that goal, then move on to the next goal. The other thing that we're currently working on right now, because of the role of the parent, is developing and validating a tool for parents. And so we're going to call that the parent transition queue. And so we are going to you know, interview page at parents, ask them what's important to them, and through validated models, um, develop an, another questionnaire that the parents can then complete so that we can then potentially tailor interventions for the parents. I think that's such a well-rounded approach. and I. You know, I'm truly like so excited to see this um, model being put out there because it's just going to help smooth out that the the learning and the uptake of that concept of self care, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, thank you for your work, Michelle. And I have one last question. Um, do you have any other kind of strategies or tips to share with? Our audience perhaps that may be going through this transition or a family member of somebody who's going through this transition yeah that's a great question and um i think it's really important to just be able to feel comfortable with your healthcare provider um, and be able to ask whatever question you may need and ask for help if you are struggling with something we're here to help you um, the other thing is we also need to um, engage our adult providers as well because they're the ones who are going to be looking after these patients well beyond you know the 18 you know 10 years let's say that we may have been following them for their chronic condition and so engaging the adult providers is essential and, and they are engaged and they want to be able to help our patients of course um, so you know we definitely need resources uh, that will help the adult providers that will also help our patients and our parents um, and there are quite a number of websites that patients can go to for self-management um, we have tip sheets so embedded in this app with the transition queue questions if a patient really identifies a specific goal that they would like to work on, then there are tips that are embedded that they can look at and practice uh, doing so that uh, at the next visit, they can try out these new skills. Amazing. And with that, you know, we want to thank everyone for joining us. And if you have any questions, to let us know. Um, so we do have one question. Wonderful. Um, do you have any tips for children living with arthritis who would like to discuss personal issues with their doctors that they may not want? 
their parents to be around for? That's a very important question. And, you know, I we focused on being able to ask questions about their medical health and their medications, but there's this whole other aspect to their lives, their mental health. Um, we ensure that in these appointments, you know, we ask our patients about uh, risky behaviors. So whether it's drinking, vaping, smoking, reproductive health, those are very essential questions that we want to explore with our patients. And we do that with utmost confidentiality. And so it is understand that understood that these types of discussions happen just with the patient. The parent is not in the room so that if the patient doesn't want to share any of that information, um, it doesn't necessarily uh, go to the parent. Thank you. To everyone watching and for joining us, thank you for the person who submitted the question and let's give a huge round of applause and a huge thank you to Michelle for joining us and for doing the work that she does. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.